Well, hello there and welcome. Welcome to Life and Faith Chats, the podcast where we use the number one best-selling book in the world to help us inform our decisions, where we study or examine and look into the lives of known and unknown or little-known biblical characters and learn from choices and decisions that they made to help us make better life decisions. Because we know from this podcast that choices matter. I am your host, Joy. Today, I invite you to look with me at the temptations of Jesus. How were they like or different from that of Eve's? Before this recorded temptation or temptations began, there were some critical things that happened. Something always happens before something happens. So we know that Jesus, well, we know because we've been told and from church history or going to Sunday school, we know that this is where Jesus, just before, is starting his public ministry. Jesus goes and asks John the Baptist to please baptize him. John doesn't want to do it because he realizes this man is way bigger than me in the sense of importance, but he consents and he baptizes Jesus who says he's doing it. He said, we're doing it to be obedient. That's a lesson for us. Jesus is baptized and when Jesus is getting out of the water, a dove descends upon him. And then there's a voice that is heard. And John hears this voice as well. And the voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you listen to the first episode of my podcast, you'll remember that an identity was established for Adam and Eve when God made them in his own image and likeness. So this is a correlation here. Jesus gets his identity told to him, and then he's taken into the wilderness by the same spirit of God to be tempted. So let's remember God has told Jesus who he is, his beloved son. And let's start off now in the wilderness and see how these temptations begin. Jesus is in that wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. There's something in this Bible about 40s. We have to look into that, okay? That's podcast coming, episode coming rather. But he's hungry. And at his weakest time, and when I say weak, I'm talking about physical weakness, You know what it's like to be really hungry. This is 40 days later. The devil comes to him and the devil says, first thing out of his mouth, and I'm going to read it. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And let's stop here for a moment. There's something about this food thing because same devil. He asked Eve, you know, basically, did God say you would be like him if you ate this fruit? Eve doubted God's word and disobeyed it. 
But now we have Satan asking Jesus at a weak point, if you are the son of God. So we have to look at this to say, does Jesus remember after going hungry? Does he forget? Because this is questioning his identity. This is also getting Jesus to think about, is it more important for me to know who I am or to prove to this devil who I am? Do I rest in who God says I am or do I need to do some hocus pocus to prove to this crafty enemy that I am the son of God? What does this have to do with the choices and decisions or temptations that we go through? Let's think through this for a moment. Think with me. One of the worst things for us to do, at least I know for me, is to make a decision when you feel pressured or to make a decision when you feel weak, you're not feeling well, you're hungry. You tend to make decisions that you regret. Now, this is just on the surface, but is natural and real because we're talking about the man, Christ Jesus. He experienced hunger. We experience hunger too, but let's break it down some more. Jesus had the power to change those stones, inanimate, cold object, which really wasn't bread, but he had the power to change those stones into bread. But if he had done that, where it was convenient at that time of his need. Our whole lives would be different. This is the very beginning of his ministry. Already he would have caved to a temptation to be ruled by a physical desire. Apparently this was important enough to God to make it the first temptation to let us know that if we allow appetite and desire to rule us, it can destroy us. Think about Eve. Think about babies, infants, children who demand immediate gratification. It is not easy for an undisciplined person to experience success. But more importantly, God wants us to be governed by his word more than our bodily appetite. That's huge. Let's talk about temptations. Let's talk about situations where we give in or cater to our desires. For example, here's a biggie. Relationships are broken in times of weaknesses, in times of choices, because someone chooses to please or gratify their desire because it was convenient. Really not but convenient at that time. Do we justify it? Of course we do all the time. I needed that. It was convenient. So many things that we later regret are done when our flesh desires are screaming louder than our spirit or even our mind. Here's the obvious physical truth. Jesus was in that wilderness temporarily for a season. He could leave and eat anything he wanted to eat after that. But does your appetite tell you then? Of course not. It's a temptation. It's a test. 
More importantly, spiritually, it would have meant he was questioning the word of God. It wasn't just bread. He was questioning what God said about him. If you haven't already, check out what Eve did. Decisions made in the heat of the moment can cause us to regret for the rest of our lives sometimes. But not only us, not only that, it can also adversely affect people that we love. There's another part to this that I see, and maybe you do too. Satan loves to help us take things that are not real. What do we call that? Counterfeit? And pretend that it can satisfy us. Why is he bringing stones to Jesus to turn into bread? Not only he knows who Jesus is. And to tell you the truth, not that's not even important. It was important for Jesus to know who he is. It was important for Jesus to know who the Father said he was. And that comes back to us as in the first episode, and again, if you haven't listened, go back to it, to know our identity. Who does God say we are? And during the times of pressure in life, can we remember to remind ourselves so that we're not ourselves, excuse me, so that we're not changing counterfeit to satisfy temporary desires. And there's a whole other story and lesson in that. It would not have been bad, I don't think, if Jesus did make bread to eat, because again, he had the power to do so. You know those bracelets they had at some point, or you may not know, it said, what would Jesus do? Let's find out what he decided to do. Jesus chose to satisfy a physical desire one that we may have called necessary. He chose to satisfy it with the word of God. His exact words were, man shall not live by bread alone. He didn't say don't eat bread, but he did say, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's a scripture in John that says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Do you think that's why Satan may have been tempting God, tempting Jesus to turn the stone into bread? Another thing to think about. Eve chose to take up a form of bread to satisfy what she thought would give her the identity that God had already given to her. My people, we got to catch this. But Jesus Christ instead said, and he answered, and he answered to us, do not use anything, anyone, any desire of your flesh, no matter how it's pressing and telling you that is going to satisfy you. Do not be fooled that anything can satisfy you other than the word of God. And I'm not saying that ice cream doesn't taste good or chocolate cake or whatever it is we like or cars or relationships, friendships, money. 
But God is saying, well, let's go back. The man Jesus is saying, don't use it as a substitute for the word of God. So he gave us that as an example. He answered our dilemma where Eve couldn't answer it for us. And he said, and I will repeat, let us remember that we cannot live by bread alone. Nothing's wrong with the bread, but we have to remember we must live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And while doing this, remind yourself, if you need to daily, get into the Bible, find scriptures that tell you who God says that you are stamped in his image, created in his image, stamped with his likeness. That's a reminder. Remember that when you're faced with temptations of immediacy of the flesh, of strong desire, do you follow after that or do you follow after the word of God and wait for God to fulfill that need? That's lesson number one from temptation number one. Let's move on to the next temptation, please. So the next temptation, Satan, devil, he takes Jesus to the holy city and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple. I think that's the highest point. And he says to him, if you are the son of God, he's right back doing that same thing. If you are the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Probably the same stone that he brought in the first place for Jesus to turn to bread. And that in itself, Satan gives you things that eventually will destroy you or trap you if you follow his way. But let's go back to the pinnacle of the temple. We go back to identity. He says, if. Does Jesus remember who he is? He's still hungry. And now he's sitting on the holy, on the temple, um, the pinnacle of the the temple. And Satan just took Jesus to church, y'all. He just took him to church. Oops, to be more accurate, he took him to the synagogue. The devil here tells the man, Jesus, that you should jump from the top of this temple here, and God will catch you if you are the son of God. Now we know, and Jesus knows that he is the son of God, but let's listen to his response because we're looking for a lesson for us. Let's find out what this lesson may be for us. You shall not put the Lord, your God to the test and I've got to say ding, 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 ding. Maybe one too many dings. But why are we always trying to test and tempt God? God is God. And I'll tell you something that I've learned. God is not a magician. And what in the world do I mean by that? Why are we always trying to change natural laws and spiritual laws, and assume that because we want them changed, that God will wave some kind of magic wand because we're flaky and he's not. Forgive me if you're not flaky, but um, 
most of us are. Why are we always trying to think that God's going to change spiritual principles and natural physical laws? And here's the biggie and sap consequences. Just for us, God does not reward foolishness or disobedience or an undisciplined lifestyle. Is God merciful? Yes, the Bible tells us that he is. But here's a major life lesson. Bonus. God is not unbalanced. His justice and his mercy are a part of who he is. That's why he sent the man, Christ Jesus, to die for us, to satisfy and fulfill his natural and physical and spiritual laws. We need to remember that and stop playing. We need to ask God for wisdom and discipline to stop living hocus-pocus, sloppy, undisciplined, ungodly lives. That's all for all of us, me included, who's talking. Let's explore a couple of examples, and I'll start simple. If I drive fast and break speeding rules, I'm going to get a ticket. That's man's laws, but we live in this earth. And at that point, I cannot speak in tongues to the police officer and tell them I was on the way to a crusade or on my way to church or on my way to do good services. You get the point? If I do not control my appetites and I eat an entire chocolate cake, I'm going to get a belly ache. Or if I keep it up, I might get diabetes. So at that point, do I call the elders to anoint me with oil when I know that I shouldn't have eaten the entire chocolate cake? You get that point? If I have an exam to take and I don't study for it, why am I asking Jesus, God, Mary, and all the saints to give me the answers when I didn't discipline myself or use the time to prepare? Why do we play these games? If I'm sick and God has provided doctors for me, yes, I should pray. Yes, I should get people to agree with me in prayer because the Bible says so. But in the meantime, I do not insult God for providing anything that will help me with life. I didn't say do crazy stuff. I said things that help me because the word of God says that he's with people that help me. So me sitting and ignoring a physical, mental, or emotional problem and thinking that I can sprinkle something on it to make it good and throw some scriptures out of context is tempting God. If I had emotional problems, I need to go get counseling. And I'm saying, I, so you don't think that I'm attacking you. If my car needs gas, I need to put gas in it. I do not need to sing many, many, many songs and think that God will get me to that next stop. Now, can that happen? Yes, it can. I've tried it because we all tempt God. I do. And I'm like, God, please, if you can just get me to that next gas station. And the Lord God is merciful. 
And the Lord God does, just in case there's somebody who's about to start rebuking me. Don't do that quite yet. Pray for me though. But the Lord God does perform miracles. But may I make a point here? He performs miracles at his discretion. Don't know if that was the right term, but it's not because I twisted his arm. He's God. When a miracle is performed, it's for his honor and glory. And yet it's to help us out and to remind us. But miracles are not the normal way that God chooses to interact with us all the time. And you might say, why? Well, for one thing, God has placed us into this world to live and to rule. And when Jesus came in, he did the normal everyday things. Jesus did not walk on water every day. He did take his two legs and walk most of the time. And the mode of transportation was a donkey. He used it. He, he didn't have an angel flying him around. When it came time to eat and do things, he didn't just pull things out of the air. Now, did he multiply things? Did he turn the water into wine? Yes. Did he walk on the water? Like I said, yes. But those were not everyday occurrences. And those were done in specific instances. I am not saying don't pray for a miracle when you need it. I am not saying that God does not perform miracles because he does every day. Every day that we get up and move and breathe, he does it. And he does more. The Lord has performed miraculous things for me. I am, as you are, a walking miracle in multiple ways. However, it is not our responsibility. I don't know if I want to use responsibility. It is not the model that Jesus left for us to go around ignoring physical laws and spiritual principles and laws and expecting God to turn it around or break his principles for our enjoyment or to act as if he's some clown in our circus. It doesn't work that way. So repeating what Jesus Christ said, you do not tempt the Lord thy God. We are not to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a second lesson. There is a third temptation, which makes it a third lesson. But you're going to have to come back for that one. So I guess we have a sequel to the sequel which was a sequel to Eve in the Garden. Thank you so much for your presence. And I really appreciate you. I have to ask you a favor. Please, if you haven't already done so, kindly subscribe. That way you'll know when I upload another episode especially the sequel to this. You want to hear the end of this. I know you do. So remember now, don't forget who God says that you are. And if you're not sure, open your Bible and find out. Also, 
do not succumb to temporary desires and don't let them rule or destroy or shortchange your destiny. And finally, don't tempt God. May the Lord help us to apply these spiritual truths to choices and decisions that we have to make this week. Thank you again for joining me on Life and Faith Chats with Joy.